Astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson loves to share his passion for life and science to as broad an audience as possible. Whether directing activities at the Hayden Planetarium in New York City, discussing the legitimacy of Pluto as a planet with Stephen Colbert, or hosting the award-winning follow-up series to Carl Sagan's Cosmos, Neil illuminates the world of astrophysics and has a ball doing it. Neil is equally enthusiastic about music and is continually inspired by the great blues players he loves. Today, as part of our 20th anniversary celebration, we revisit my 2006 conversation with Neil deGrasse Tyson, one of my most thoughtful and entertaining guests on this show. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. I started by asking Neil about the much-discussed connection between music, math, and science. Well, there's a lot written on that subject, of course, and perennially there are people who explore the universe looking for the music of the spheres. And some of that, I think, is a little oversought. I mean, the universe has its own agendas, and they don't necessarily include music. But what I think is more fascinating is the number of scientists who have a deep, long, and significant interest in music, either as performers or as very serious listeners. By far, the largest collection of classical music I've ever seen under one roof that was not a radio station <laughs> was a colleague of mine who he had an entire room just devoted back then to his albums and with thousands and thousands and thousands and, uh, of albums. I asked, how long would it take you to listen to all of this? <laughs> <laughs> and he said once every 10 years he listens to to it all, and it takes him about a year or so just to make sure he remembers everything that's there. So, And this was an astrophysicist. This was, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have guessed that. So uh, perhaps there's some overlap between that which stimulates the mind when you think about music and that which stimulates the mind when you're thinking about the frontier of cosmic discovery. Mm, mm. I know lots of medical doctors as well that are big into music, that are always coming up and telling me that, that we're going to be a musician or made their way through medical school playing. Do you play yourself? No, I don't. Uh, not well. <laughs> 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 so the answer is no, uh, flat out no. But no, but do you do it for your own amusement? I wished I were good at it because I would then sort of entertain myself with it and not always have to listen to other performers. But other performers, they're professionals at it. And so, and for 99 cents or a few dollars, you get to hear them. Uh, so you'd rather listen to them? I'd rather listen to them than my <laughs> poor attempts to imitate them. So surely you understand uh, that, that need. That's very funny. Well, you're really passionate about music. I can tell you just light up. When we first met and we started talking about music, your whole gestalt changed. You were like, yeah, let's talk about it. Was it a musical household that you grew up in that got you into this? Or did you just, were you drawn to music on your own? How did that all happen? My parents always had music on in the background of mm -hmm. all kinds. There was jazz and classical and a lot of sort of uh, pop singers at the time, or at least from their generation. So that would have been Sinatra and, and Harry Belafonte, folks like that. And then there's this gap between that music and my coming into my own 
style of what I like. And then I return to what they like. So I find myself listening to all the tunes that they had played while I was growing up, between age zero and 12. And so it's come full circle. And now I can claim their generation of music. My parents are now pushing 80. They're, back when they were in their sort of social prime, when they were in their teens and in, in their 20s, I now claim a lot of that music as part of the portfolio that I carry around on my computer and listen to. Oh, own. that's interesting. Yeah. And do they feel vindicated? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. They say, oh, these finally come around. Mm-hmm. And uh, It's funny. I'll, I'll, I'll just learn a fresh tune that's an old standard, apparently. And if they hear it, they'll just start humming along with it. And they know the words. And I used to think they were just making it up. Well, of course, it's all real. <laughs> so you thought you were so hip that you discovered this and they already knew exactly, it? Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, you're a big blues fan. I'm very excited because not a lot of people on this show have talked about They've talked a little bit. They've sort of scratched the surface of blues, but you're heavy into blues. Well, heavy in not in terms of how much blues I own, mm-hmm. but in terms of just simply its effect on me when I hear it come on the radio or when I play it on my own mm-hmm. system. If I'm driving the car and I stumble on a radio station that's playing the blues, particularly the kind of blues where you're feeling the pain of the person singing, I've got to just pull over into the right lane and go real slow, or maybe even just pull off the road entirely and just listen to the entire song because it is so emotionally wrought with pain that you can't do anything else but commiserate with that pain. And for me, that's what music should do. It should take your emotions to places that maybe you can't get there yourself. Or maybe you are already there and you seek a resonance with the music. And I I rate myself as a pretty happy guy, so why would I even like the blues? It's because it's a deep reminder that not all the world is is sunshine and blue skies. And without that reminder, you you lead a deluded life, mm. a completely misrepresentative understanding of how most of the population of the world lives. Right here, pretty mama, sit down on your daddy's knee. You've been sending me Where is that Your secret You better keep it To yourself But if you tell me I might tell Somebody else I never Cherry red, cherry red, 
get small. Also, it can remind you, as you're saying this, how far you've come. Maybe you have had your moments that weren't so happy. It sort of puts you back in that spot, and then you think, I remember what that was like. That definitely the case, and as is true for most music, you're you're transported mm. back to a moment, perhaps when either you first heard the song, or when uh, at a time when some event in your life was most resonant mm. with the themes or the emotions of that which is played. Um, for the blues, I like reflecting on. We put it this way, I. When you do science, there's emotion when you make a discovery, when you're hot on the trail of some new idea about how the world works. But for the most part, there's a lot of sort of bookkeeping to make sure your data are sound and you're not making mistakes. And so there's a lot of science that thrives only because it is done without passion, <laughs> without emotion. Mm-hmm. Because emotion is one of the strongest forces to interfere with your ability to evaluate and understand and interpret data. And so that's why scientists have this stereotype of being dispassionate. It is a fundamental part of so much of what has to happen to be a good scientist. So there are times when I'm doing that. And then when I'm done or I'm ready to take a break, I've got to reach out and feel what it is to be alive again. And nothing does that for me like the blues. Mm, that's wonderful. And I also think, as you're saying this, I'm struck by the similarity of jazz and what you do. And what I mean is you talked about maybe collecting data, having all of the structure there, all of the knowledge there. And then if you're really working towards discovering something, you have to have all that in place, then completely let your emotions go or your sensitivity, your creativity, to create something or to be open to what you're trying to discover, which is definitely what happens when you're playing jazz. That's a perceptive point. Of course, the notes are there for the taking. How many notes are there? There's not that many notes <laughs> yet. Not everyone can put them together into music. And there's a lot of data out there, and not everyone can put it together into an actual uh, acute understanding of how the world works. So that analogy is entirely uh, uh, resonant with mm -hmm. what, what's going on. And uh, most of my colleagues and myself included when we're at observatories, which is becoming a, a less common thing to do to take a pilgrimage to the observatory to get your data. Nowadays, the telescopes are operated by a single telescope operator, and all they do is plug the business end of the telescope into the computer, and you can be anywhere on Earth, and you're connected to the telescope. So the pilgrimage, one of my great regrets is that there are many fewer trips to mountaintops now. But I can tell you when I would be living nocturnally throughout the night getting data, as astrophysicists will do, because the stars come out at night. <laughs> <laughs> one star comes out in the daytime. It's called the sun. <laughs> but you don't need a big telescope to see that. And, you know, sometimes you get sleepy. Sometimes you need a pickup. And good music will always do it. Always. And so we would always compare what the portfolio of music that we'd all bring to the telescope dome. The telescope dome ha it has this sort of, there's a kind of acoustic resonance that goes on within the dome. So all, what, no matter how bad your, your playback device is, the sound 
comes out much richer because of the 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 geometry of the telescope dome itself. Oh, how wonderful! Oh yeah, and it's just you, the music, and the cosmos. Ah, oh. see, I always hear music when I look at the stars, when I look at the heavens, I, when I go out and I look at all that knowing very little about it, but I always hear music, and I don't know that that's just me being a musician, but it's all a great symphony to Well, me. one of the ch- – one <laughs> an interesting side fact about that is, of course, in space there's no air. So uh, as the old movie Alien said, in space no one can hear you scream. <laughs> uh, Are we going to take that path? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, not only can no one hear you scream, no one can hear you play music either. Uh, so the music all has to be in your head as mm. you see the planets undergoing their stately journeys around the sun. Mm-hmm. Um, not only do planets move around the sun, the sun, among other stars, moves around the galaxy. Galaxies move in the universe. So it is quite a symphony, or one might even call it a ballet, mm-hmm. choreographed by the forces of gravity. Oh, that's wonderful. That's wonderful. And when you were talking about experiences that you've had and music bringing things like that up, I'm thinking of Texas Flood. That you told me about <laughs> oh, this. This is a great story. We talked about off air. Tell this. Yeah, I was in graduate school. Uh, I spent a few years in getting my master's degree at the University of Texas at Austin, my first time in the Midwest. So I'm there. It's my first year there. And then I come home for Christmas. All right, Christmas vacation. I turn on the news, and they said, heavy rains and severe flooding in Austin, Texas. It's Austin. I quickly run to the TV, and there's the street, like, outside my apartment building with, like, pianos floating down the... (laughs) (laughs) Apparently, this little creek had overflowed, and it took out an entire bank of stores, one of these strip malls, and one of them was like this music store, and so these pianos floating down. I said, oh. oh my gosh. So then I go back, and it finally had subsided, but I said, my gosh, this was like devastating if you, must, if you were here. Sure enough, eight months later, Stevie Ray Vaughan comes out with an album called Texas Flood. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, I feel your pain, Stevie Ray. <sighs> and so it was my first first-hand encounter with that which inspired a blues song and it just made you that much more connected to the events
Stevie Ray Vaughan's Texas Flood. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson. We'll talk about Buddy Guy, your very favorite, you told me. Uh, Buddy Guy is, is by far my favorite musical performer. In fact, mm-hmm. I heard him in a small club in Austin. There's a lot of music that goes in and out of Austin, Texas. And I knew nothing of him. It was just the nearby club that I went to. And I was forever moved by his voice, his command of the guitar. And I don't even want to overanalyze it for this mm-hmm. for this conversation. Let me just simply say that I felt his music. Then you got to. You got to know just what I'm talking about. Then you got to You got to know just what I'm talking about Lord, I work five long years for one woman And she had to To kick me out I got a job at a steel mill. I'm chucking steel is just like a slave. Five long years of the fight of y'all. I went straight home, yeah. I went straight home. Oh, oh, oh. You treat it. Then you got to. You got to know just what I'm talking about. I believe every word that comes out of his mouth when he speaks of pain, when he speaks of, even when he speaks of joy, contrasting the pain. When uh, one of my favorite lines is, you know, his woman had done him wrong and his dog left him or whatever. But there's, it was, honey, if I never see you again, that's too soon for me. (laughs) That's hard. And so, blues ought to be that which makes you a part of that experience. Otherwise, there's no communication going. Mm. Otherwise, it's music. And you got to, you got to know just what I'm talking about. Lord, I work five long years for one woman, and she had to to kick me out. I love you talking about the feeling of music because it's something that you're always striving for as a musician, at least. I think people are, I know I am, and trying to be more and more honest. They always say, get to what you're feeling at the time. And it's always interesting to me when I play with my trio, 
what audience members say to me about my musicians, and I will know how my musicians connected by their emotion. It's very interesting. And my guitar player is a wonderful blues player. And people always come up because every note's kind of ripped from his heart. And women always want to take care of him. And they'll say, did he just break up with his sweetheart? And he's not singing even. Mm -hmm. Just from this great emotion but this blues feel, Mm -hmm. I think about what you're saying. He connects with these people because there's no histrionics. He's... You know, just sits there and plays guitar, but somehow... And if you're not connecting, then go home, because we're, we're wasting each other's time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You mentioned Miles Davis to me before because you love the space between the notes, which is something I'm very interested in. Talk about that. I, before I got into blues and jazz in general, I spoke with a friend of mine in college who was a college radio announcer for the, for the radio station, and he was the jazz announcer. And I said, give me a list of albums that are just, that the jazz aficionados would praise, just so I can start where I need to start if I'm going to gain an appreciation for this. And on there was Miles Davis's Kind of Blue. And so I first played it, and it was, it, it was okay. All right, it's kind of a lot of slow trumpet in there. All right. So I didn't think much of it. I said, well, I wonder if there's anything more exciting on these other albums. And then... <laughs> I can't believe you're saying I know, that. I know, wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, wait. I don't mind embarrassing myself here. <laughs> and so I, I said, all right, let me put it on a tape and just play it in the background while I'm cooking dinner. You know, just maybe there's something I'm missing. And then one day, I, I thought I'm making eggs or something, and I, I dropped the spatula because the music had finally penetrated. Uh, dare I call them my defenses? My, this wall I'd had up that prevented me from understanding or hearing or listening or feeling what was out there, what these performers were trying to tell me. Trying to tell me, right? Because he wrote it for me. This is like, <laughs> there it was. Because when I dropped my spatula, uh... those notes were communicating with me. And not only were the notes communicating with me, the space between the notes were mm. communicating with me particularly in flamenco sketches. I, again, I just had to stop. I turned off the burner, and I sat down on the couch, and I just listened.
Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. When astrophysicist Neil deGrasse Tyson heard Miles Davis's flamenco sketches, he not only understood jazz on a deeper level, he felt his perception of the world change as well. The world is not a juxtaposition of objects, not solely a juxtaposition of objects. It's also a juxtaposition of the space between objects. And in some cases, the space matters more than the objects themselves. Because, of course, you live in the space. And I found myself living in the space between the notes of flamenco sketches. I talk to audiences about the quality of silence in a room, and people always talk about the acoustics, but for me, I, as a performer, I'm feeling the quality of silence that that audience gives me, some better than others, some very intense, some you hear a little bit of something, and certainly it mixes with the acoustics. But I play very differently, and I know other musicians do too. I play with the space differently if the quality of silence is really juicy and inviting, because then I want those notes to have all that space. Now, at the risk of overstretching this, this sentiment, the universe is mostly empty space, punctuated by remarkable expressions of nature be they exploding stars, colliding galaxies, comet impacts on planet surfaces. And so the space is the stage. And the objects within the space are the actors. Mm. And so when I get into a deeply performed jazz piece that takes full advantage of what the silence can do, I'm transported out in space. You're also a McCoy Tyner fan. Oh, yeah. Well, actually... <laughs> Um, one of one of his albums, Manhattan Moods, when I finally moved back to Manhattan, actually I grew up in the Bronx, but now I live in Manhattan, I said, well, Manhattan Moods, I wonder what he's got going there. What is he saying? What does he mean? So I, so I bought the album, I just played it, and looked out my window while the music was playing, 
and out my window there's park, there are lights, there's the street, there's people walking, there's and it is Manhattan. It is it is the soul of Manhattan captured in those 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 pieces that are in that album. Uh, one after the other after the other. You're transported from, you know, a dark, wet street. It had just rained. It's two in the morning. The hotel light is flashing. The subway rumbles underfoot. <laughs> and this music is playing. <laughs> it's, it's the music that you would hear if, if that scene had, had a biographer. <laughs> so I, I think of this out. So anytime I want to feel Manhattan again, I just run through uh, Manhattan moods. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Tyner on Manhattan Moods. I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Thank you. 
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. Our show is made possible in part with generous support from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Jazz Times Magazine, providing entertaining and provocative coverage of the jazz scene since 1970. On the web at jazztimes.com. For a schedule of upcoming programs, visit our website at jazzinspired.com. You can listen to podcasts of Jazz Inspired wherever you get your podcasts and email us at info at jazzinspired.com or visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Stride Queen. Although we broadcast on NPR stations, we're an independent production, not funded by NPR. We're funded primarily by your donations, so please visit jazzinspired.com to chip in. No gift is too small. And 2020 marks our 20th year on air. Please tell your friends about Jazz Inspired and help us spread the word. My guest is astrophysicist and director of the Rose Center for Earth and Space of the Hayden Planetarium at the Museum of Natural History in New York City, Neil deGrasse Tyson. Well, Milt Jackson. Talk about Milt Jackson. Well, I first got into Milt Jackson in college by accident. I mean, somebody was playing, you know, one of his Montreux albums, and there was this xylophone or vibraharp, whichever one it was at the moment. Do I even know if they're the same instrument? (laughs) But it was as though someone took a piano and then sort of dipped it in... Dipped it in velvet. Dipped it in butter. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but something good and something smooth. Good and smooth. <laughs> something good and smooth. I don't know. I don't know what velvet butter is, but if you could do that to a piano, sounded good to me. You get the notes that come off his hand uh. when he plays the xylophone.
I'm Judy Carmichael, and this is Jazz Inspired. My guest is the director of the Rose Center for Earth and Space at the Hayden Planetarium in New York City, Neil deGrasse Tyson. I have to mention Fly Me to the Moon because that's such a perfect tune for you. And you've mentioned somebody that I wasn't familiar with singing that. I mean, everyone knows Sinatra, but you, of course, being you, came up with some new person singing that tune. Well, Steve Zarnecki, I mean, I didn't know much about the fellow either before I heard him sing Fly Me to the Moon. And the totally charming rendition. It, Fly Me to the Moon is, you know, one of these jazz standards that I'm sure is on everybody's jazz standards list. Uh, but I was just reminded of how a song written before we landed on the moon could be so popular and just so upbeat and so so forward-looking, yet still tell about love. You know, fly me to the moon, and it mentions Jupiter, Saturn, and Mars. You know, all, this is real astrophysics 101 going on. <laughs> In this jazz standard. So you know I'm going to hand you that one for this interview. And uh, I'm, I never cease to be impressed by the extent to which cosmic discovery has penetrated pop culture. And the true measure of that is not whether it gets talked about in the news or whether it's... The true measure is whether artists take ownership of it. Mm. Because the moment an artist claims it his or her own it is part of your culture fly me to the moon and let me play among the stars let me see what spring is like on jupiter and mars in other words hold my hand in other words, darling, kiss me. Fill my heart with song and let me sing forevermore. You are all I long for. All I worship and adore. In other words, please be true. You should be playing that here as we walk into Hayden Planetarium. You know, like the Basie Band or something. You know, can't you see that? This is my suggestion. I think you're laughing. I'm serious here. I think this is a real meeting of, well, I can tell that the suggestion is just not going to be taken. And you're I'll not taking. It. I'll consider right. it. Yes, this meeting here in your office, I want to at least know it's considered. Well, it's considered. Come fly with me. Let's fly. Let's fly away. If you can use some exotic booze, there's a bar in far Bombay. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Come fly with me, let's float down to Peru. In Lama Land, there's a one-man band and he'll toot his flute for you. Come fly with me, let's take off in the blue. 
Once I get you up there Where the air is rarefied We'll just slide starry-eyed Once I get you up there I'll be holding you so near You may hear angels cheer Cause we're together Weather-wise it's such a lovely day Just say the words and we'll beat the birds down to Acapulco Bay. It's perfect for a flying honeymoon, they say. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away. Once I get you up there Where the air is rarefied We'll just glide starry-eyed Once I get you up there I'll be holding you so near You may hear angels cheer Cause we're together Weather-wise It's such a lovely day You just say the words And we'll beat the birds Down to Acapulco Bay It's perfect For a flying honeymoon They say Come fly with me Let's fly, let's fly Let's fly away Well, you're very interested and active in bringing science to a broader audience as we're talking about music doing this. And how does one do that? in your case, with science, but also with music. This is one of the ways that you can open it up. But as we're talking about jazz and blues, this music that we are passionate about, that we know if people could just hear it, that they'd feel the same way. Not all of it, but there'd certainly be things that they like. How do we do that? I don't have any any secret, secretly successful ideas about that. What I do know about the universe when I try my best to bring it down to earth. One of the tactics, if you will, that enables it is ensuring that any time I am there in a position to do so, I'll make sure I have a foot in my scientist's camp and then a foot in the camp of the listener. And then I'm, I'm a temporary conduit mm. between the frontier of discovery and your living room. And so what that means is, at least for me as a as a communicator, uh, I put on my communicator's hat and I say, well, what matters to the people? So I'll make sure some part of my day I watch the TV shows that are popular. I'll watch the Super Bowl, even though I don't really like football. <laughs> I'll, I'll watch it because everybody else is watching it. And they'll be talking about the commercials or about some play. And so your access 
to the frontier of popular culture is no less important than the access to the frontier of your field, if you want to connect the two together. Without a knowledge of both, you can't just give up. Go take on another, forget about being the person bringing it to the public. You have to know where the public is at all times. And it's unrealistic for you to ask them to meet you halfway, because they got their own agendas. It's your objective to bring the music to them. So find out what matters to them. Find out what's, what works. Find out um, and, and see if you can tap into that. And then they'll come running. They'll beat a path to your door. everybody's favorite of these, dare I call it jazz? I don't even know what musical genre it represents, but it's George Thorogood's Bad to the Bone. There's something about that song that I think if you're truly alive, you resonate with it. Because to be alive is to feel all, is to feel all there is to feel about being alive. To feel that which is good, to feel that which is bad to feel that which is in between. And <laughs> you know the times you remember most in life were the times you were doing something you weren't supposed to be doing. <laughs> you know this. I know this. And so what, what does that mean? Why, why is that? And so when I think of Bad to the Bone, I think of it's an anthem for all the people who it's almost top cover for all the people who've done sort of bad things in their life and now there's a song about doing bad things <laughs> now you don't want to hurt other people in the uh. bad things you do but all I know is all the times I should have been doing one thing and I did something else those times rise high in my memory bank <laughs> and I know that on my deathbed those are the times I'm going to be thinking about the most <laughs> So, my hat's off to George Thorogood and his version of Bad to the Bone. Now when I walk the streets, kings and queens step aside. Every woman I meet, they all stay satisfied. I want to tell you, pretty baby, what I see I'll make my own. And I'm here to tell you, honey, that I'm bad to the bone. 
Yes, I think about those times that I wouldn't necessarily say bad, but I was naughty. Mm. Oh, naughty is good. <laughs> <laughs> naughty is even better than bad. Yes, exactly. Exactly. That's what comes to mind. Because you can't, no one will really arrest you for being naughty. Right. Whereas bad, there's no limit to being bad. Exactly. Yeah. But naughty, definitely those memories come back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, talk to me about Coco Taylor. Well, I think her song, I Am Woman, that ought to be an anthem somewhere. Somebody's got to figure out a way to turn that into an anthem for some cause or for some organization. Uh, It's a a very close second for me in the emotional depth to which she takes the listener, a close second to Buddy Guy. And... When I listen to I Am Woman, by the way, I don't have any secret desires for an operation to become a woman. This is not, this is not the source of my interest in this song. Oh, we're getting naughty. <laughs> the, 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 the source of my interest is she's describing, Coco Tail is describing the power of the woman and celebrating it. She talks about wrestling crocodiles and commanding the sun to rise. And while you'd think this was a song of celebration, it's actually the blues. Why is it the blues? Because women are historically disenfranchised and underpowered with regard to their numbers in society. Men control things, not women. And so so here she's singing about, it's, it's more a lament than a triumph. It's a longing for that kind of power that men have had since the days of, since the beginning. And I think of it as an anthem for all disenfranchised groups in society, whether or not they are women. Simply people who are underrepresented in the fruits of a free society. And so maybe I'm overreading into what the song is or should be. But I nonetheless feel that way when I hear her sing those words.
just thrilled that you had the time. You really didn't have the time, but that you took the time. Crowbars work wonders. <laughs> exactly, in the, in the exactly, to do this. And it's just been delightful, and I'm looking forward to walking in next time I'm here and hearing Fly Me to the Moon blaring <laughs> over the speakers. Do I seem too assertive, too aggressive with sort of lobbying for this? You're laughing, but you know it's a good idea. You just don't want to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> I am woman, woman with ideas. There you go. There you go. <laughs> this has been great. Thank you so much. Well, it's been a pleasure, and good luck with the continued success of the program and your own music musical career. Thank you. And I, I haven't heard you yet. I have to come. Uh, you got to give me your schedule. I'll Absolutely. You You're saving a table for me here, and I'm saving you a table at my next concert. And I'm, I'll make sure I won't have a drink in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! I should have never said that. The drinking's afterwards oh, when we're celebrating. <laughs> Perfect. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to be on your program. You've been listening to my conversation with Neil deGrasse Tyson. I hope you'll join me here next time when I talk with another creative person about how jazz has inspired their life and work. I'm Judy Carmichael, the host and producer of Jazz Inspired. My production engineer is Curtis Heidolf. You can download podcasts of Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired from all the usual podcast platforms or listen at jazzinspired.com. Our opening music was airmail special, and the mid-break music is a smooth one from my CD, High on Fats and Other Stuff. The closing music is Old Fashioned Love from my CD trio. I'm on piano with Mike Hashem on sax and Chris Mori on guitar. Judy Carmichael's Jazz Inspired is made possible with generous support from our listeners and from Steinway & Sons. Additional support is provided by Page at 63 Main in Sag Harbor, New York, serving organic microgreens and vegetables grown on their own energy-efficient indoor and outdoor aquaponic farms. Better taste, happier planet. Visit Page at 63 Main at opentable.com. For more information, visit jazzinspired.com or judycarmichael.com.